Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey. Stand up with me, all you Labor Day folks. And those of you watching at home or at the lake or some other gorgeous place in the world, thanks for joining us. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and since it's Labor Day, I'm joining you sitting down. I actually just, every now and then, you know, change is good. We don't like change much, and none of us do, because it kind of forces us to rethink things. Uh, we've been doing a series on uh, pain, and today I'll talk about pain doesn't have to remain. Though it will be a part of our lives, we need to learn to address it. In what I call a redemptive way, we need to figure out a way to uh, get through it. Pain is not a horrible thing unless you let it be a horrible thing. Pain points us uh, in a direction of healing. It points us to change or doing things differently. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, uh, we can choose to live with it. Uh, I've had... A pain in my wrist for, for quite some time, and I told Susan, I said, I think I won't do anything with it until I just can't move it anymore, and uh, because then one pain leads to another pain, which is surgery, and you just kind of go, you know, I get to choose what to do with this, and uh, it lets me know pretty much on a regular basis, I'm very much alive. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's going to kill me. It's a wrist. It's probably going to be okay. There are times that uh, we address the pain. We want to get rid of the pain. There are times we just go, you know, I can live with the pain. Um, you know, Paul had what he called a thorn in his flesh. Theologians still debate what that thorn was. Was it a past relationship? It wasn't necessarily physical, uh, but it could have been physical. And uh, God will give us the strength to address it, get through it, whatever needs to happen. Uh, every one of us, believe it or not, uh, pain is oftentimes uh, the result of how we grew up, how, how we address pain is the result sometimes of how we were taught to address pain. Matter of fact, many people uh, respond to pain out of anger. It makes them mad. And uh, they live a mad life because they're in constant pain. And I'm not suggesting that pain is fun, but addressing it in a redemptive way will minimize the impact it has on our lives. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. 
I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting that or what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So often in our lives, it, it's that one verse, uh, forgetting what is behind. Oftentimes, uh, pain is a part of our past that tries to make its way into our present and give direction to our future. Uh, you've loved and failed, loved and failed, and the pain of that, that love and failure often will try to stay with you for the rest of your life instead of saying, you know what, that's a part of my past, it's not going to be a part of my future. And it's very, very important that we address it. And last week I talked about uh, uh, not addressing the regrets in our lives, regrets unaddressed. We all have regrets. I have one major regret with my oldest son that tries to creep into my future. You know, being a, uh, your, your oldest child is always the one that is, takes most of the heat because you've never been a parent before. How do I address this? What do I do? I don't think he would remember it, but I remember it. And every now and then it comes, comes back to me and I think, hold it, I've addressed that regret. And as a result of addressing it, there's nothing else I can do except forget what lies behind. And it wasn't even a big deal, really, but it was to me because it was something that I felt like I could have handled better. And uh, there will always be those things in our lives that come to cause us pain. Many people, rather than regularly addressing it as often as it comes up, we begin to try to medicate it. And again, I'm not against anybody that has uh, to address their physical pain and some emotional pain, anxiety, whatever. I'm not against addressing that with medication. Uh, please don't feel condemned by that. But I, how many of you know that most of us don't want to medicate? Am I right? It's just not something we want to do. Sometimes it's a necessity, and, and when it is, you do it. But the reality is, is that all pain should cause us to move closer to God. At the end of the day, if we can bring our pain to him and say, God, I'm experiencing this in this moment, first off, God's not surprised, and uh, he's not put off by the pain that we're experiencing. As a matter of fact, he's a great father who doesn't want us to experience pain, which is why Christ went to the cross, was to take our pain, suffering, sorrow, sickness, disease, and all those things with him. Uh, but we oftentimes hang on to those things. Number one, as I addressed last week, pain... If uh, it's not addressed properly, uh, will be used improperly. Many people use pain for pity uh, to get people to feel sorry for them. Nobody here, but there are some people at 1130 uh, that I'm pretty sure. But, but I remember there are times if I could get people to feel sorry for me, I felt better about my pain. You know what I'm saying? I got attention. And, and that's not healthy. When you use pain to get attention, it's negative attention. It's negative. Uh, what we want to do is not deny the fact that we have pain, but we can address it by saying this, God is greater than the pain. And if I'm experiencing pain, God's going to lead me to a place to where I can get free from it, or he's going to give me the strength to deal with it and get through it. 
So I talked about uh, not addressing it, the regret. So and secondly, anger unresolved is a thing that causes pain. If you constantly are angry, you're going to be in constant pain the rest of your life. Anger does not, the Bible says, does not achieve the righteousness of God. I had one true emotion most of my life growing up, which was anger. It, it just was. I, I felt like if I could be more angry than someone else, I could intimidate them. Not that any of you have ever done that, right? But we all have this, this self-preservation in our lives, and we all try to find a way to keep from getting hurt, to keep from experiencing pain, to keep uh, ourselves from all the suffering that comes with a fallen uh, because we are fallen people. Uh, Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing if you're angry at the right things, not the right people, the right things. I can be angry uh, that I was in a wrong relationship. I could be angry that I uh, reacted uh, instead of responded appropriately. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, go ahead and be angry. This is out of the Message Bible. You will do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't, say, don't stay angry. Now, this is the big one. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. How many of you know anger sleeps on the couch? <laughs> or in the he shed. In her case, the she shed. That's what she shed. Anyway, we have to remember that anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. We're all tempted to get angry. And all these mild-mannered people that never let their show doesn't mean they're not angry. They just hide it, bury it, and use it at the, the right time in a wrong way. Being angry does not do anything but release poisonous toxins into our bodies. So much of our, our physical ailments, the physical ailments we experience, are stress-related. They're internalized problems, anger, unaddressed uh, in our lives. Uh, as a matter of fact, science has proven, and I just heard recently a higher number, but when I was doing research years ago on anger and how it affects us, uh, it, it was stated that 80% of all physical illnesses are psychosomatic. They're created by what happens on the inside of us. People who are angry, people who are bitter, people who are unforgiving will oftentimes create their own pain. A very, very, very dear friend of mine lost his wife, oh my goodness, probably 10, 15 years ago. We were very close. We were close for, for 30, 20, 30 years. And uh, toward the end of her life, she, she had cancer. And she was a devout Christian. And I loved her and her husband with everything in me, but she always had this edge of being politely angry, frustrated. She was a perfectionist. And, and she would oftentimes, uh, it would come out, it was very sweet, but it had an edge to it. And before she passed, her husband told me that she apologized to him. She said, the reason I'm dying of cancer is because of my bitterness toward you. And she was a very mature Christian. She understood. She, she had as much as anybody I knew would hear God. And you said, it's a really sad scenario, sad story. Well, the beauty of it is we know she's in heaven today. 
The sadness of it is, is that literally she knew that her bitterness and unforgiveness had taken a toll on her body. Now, you can disagree with me if you want. You can disagree with her if you want. You can disagree with science if you want. But the reason I'm preaching this is there are a lot of emotions today uh, that, that we have, that we give vent to. And uh, I no longer call Facebook Facebook. I call it fake book. Because most people tell their good side of the story on Facebook and live like hell on the other side. So if you're reading Facebook and think your life sucks, probably really doesn't. You just chosen not to lie. Yeah, because I mean, literally, there are issues that that we have. I, I, I I'm going to be more real, more real as much as I can be the rest of my life. But I was reading a thing on Facebook, Facebook. Because uh, I do go through there and I try to stay in touch with you guys and listen to your stories. And Roxanne always has a great message every day. I really appreciate your post because she's so optimistic, so sweet, so kind. Not talking about her life, talking about life and God and everything. But uh, I was reading, scrolling through. I, I rarely stay on it very long, but I scroll through. And uh, there was a Trump parade. And I don't care who you're for or not for. Get mad at me, don't get mad at me. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't have cared whose who's side of the aisle you were on. But there were four boats that sank in Lake Austin at a Trump parade. And, and uh, somebody who obviously was not a Trump supporter <laughs> uh, put laughy faces on there. And I thought, you know, that's just rude. I don't care if it's Biden. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care who it is. You don't rejoice in somebody else's loss. I don't care who you're for, who you can. This is the problem with our society. Pain causes us to be rude. Most of the time. It causes us to be rude. Uh, I'm really on this quest of can we just love each other and not be mean? And if we lose, smile and applaud the other people. I'm happy for you. I don't think it's best for us, but I'm happy for you. And, uh, you know, let's just love each other. Believe it or not, most of our pain is self-inflicted pain. I knew it was not something you'd want to hear this morning. Because pain always likes to blame somebody else. I'm in pain because of what you said to me. I'm in pain because of what you did to me. I'm in pain because of how you address something. And it makes us angry. And, and if there's one thing I want to fight in my life, and I can't change anybody else, you can't change anybody else, we can't change others, but I can change me. And, and I'm on this quest of God, help me change me. If somebody's mean to me, help me change my response to their meanness. No, they need to stop being mean. No, help me, because people are going to be mean from now on. They just are. And maybe our kindness and our kind response versus an angry response might bring peace to that relationship. It's the old saying, can we agree to disagree and not be mean? You'd be surprised at how you will minimize pain if you can just respond to life and others and differences in a way that's redemptive. It's not easy, but it's doable. And I think we'll be happier. So anger is not a sin, but it can become a cancer in our soul if not dealt with. And not only a cancer in our soul, but a cancer in our bodies. So it's very, very important that we're able to smile. Now, when you smile, you're probably going to make angry people more angry. And you just have to let them know, I'm not smiling to make you more angry or to be mean. I'm smiling because I need to. Maybe I can bring some peace into this relationship. Probably not going to happen to a really angry person. 
they're going to really get more angry. Mother Teresa said, there's more hunger for love and appreciation in this world than for bread. People just want to be loved. People want to be appreciated. And you know what? You're probably not going to change anybody's perception by addressing them the way they're addressing you. You're only feeding it. Secondly, one of the reasons we have pain in our lives and we continue to experience it is because of beauty overlooked. There are a lot of beautiful things in the world that we overlook when we're angry, when we're in pain. As a matter of fact, oftentimes when we're in great pain, we close the things out that could enhance our lives and make us better. And a lot of times, it's, it's the overlooked beauty in the world. Isaiah 61.3 says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes. Who? All who mourn. Joy instead of mourning. For who? Those in great pain. Those who are in mourning. Praise instead of despair. For the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. Uh, there was a kid in my youth group many years ago in the 90s and I'll never forget him because he, he had one of those faces that I wish I had he just always looked like this person that you could approach just a beautiful countenance and he was a good young man he loved God and uh, just recently on Facebook I saw that he was battling cancer and as a result of that I stayed in touch on Facebook with he and his family he had children he was in his 50s which I hate to say because he was just a teenager when I was a youth pastor. But during the end of his battle with cancer, he stood up in his church in Tulsa with a smile on his face and never lost his faith or love for God, never got bitter. He was one of those people that you go, how in the world could someone like this die of cancer? But I looked at his life and I realized in the midst of his pain, he helped a lot of people because he never got bitter. He never got angry. He continued to be positive. And he went on to be with the Lord just a few months back. Um, he never lost sight of the beauty of God's creation. They were an outdoors family. They loved to hike. And he continued to do everything he did until the day he passed. Now, when I say this, I know that's not a real optimistic line. You but he lost his battle. No, I actually think he won his battle because this guy broke heaven's doors wide open. Now, with that said, the reason I'm sharing it this way and probably sitting down is pain is such an, a horrible thing in our lives that we perceive it to be the most horrible thing in our lives. And yet, sometimes pain is a platform for one of the greatest testimonies that we'll ever hear. People who, like Paul, shipwrecked and beaten and snake bit and all those things... All we hear from Paul is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was always very affirming of who God was, not just in the world, but who God was in his life. So the question I would ask is, when pain comes, who is God to you? Who is God to me when I'm experiencing pain? And it often drives me to have to answer that question, that, that he's not everything he could be to me. He's not everything he should be to me, not because of him, but because of me. And that I need to open my life up more in the midst of my pain to allow God to be bigger. And whenever God gets bigger, pain gets smaller. We begin to forget about it, if you will, like Paul, forgetting what lies behind. 
and pressing toward what lies ahead in our lives. So, he'll give you beauty for ashes, but you have to give him your ashes to get his beauty. God, here's my pain. Here's what I'm experiencing. And be honest with him. Oftentimes, our prayer life hides the very cause of what we're praying about. Because we're afraid that if we tell God the truth, like the man who brought his son to Jesus and asked him to heal him, he said, I do believe, but forgive me for my unbelief. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, I believe, but I know there's got to be a part of me in here that's not surrendered to you. And I'm not saying bow your knee, quit fighting. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. I'm not saying surrender, but I am saying this, surrender the pain to him. Don't surrender your, your passion, your faith, your conviction, but surrender the pain to God and give him the ashes that you're experiencing right now. And Frank said, think of all the beauty still left around you and be happy. This woman had to overcome a lot of pain to say those words. There's still beauty around us when there's pain within us. We have to look for it sometimes. We have to stop and we have to say, God, I'm going to pursue the beautiful things in this world. Right now, things are not good. This afternoon, I'll go to Tulsa at 3 o'clock and do a funeral for one of Susan's very dearest friends who just passed away. And I have to stand in front of a bunch of grieving people and somehow try to make sense of the pain that they will be experiencing today. And I'll promise you, and I'm going to make Susan commit to this. When I pass and I go to heaven, I don't want one tear. I want people dancing in the aisles. This is not Mark's gone. This is Dad Gummit. He's where we want to be. Let's celebrate his life. Because the reality is, when this is all said and done, thank God there will not be tears in heaven because we'll cry for a thousand years Thinking, why didn't I come here sooner? Now, I'm not trying to get a load up today. But I am trying to say this. That in our lives, we're all going to encounter pain. And when we do, we need to address it in a way that brings glory to God and hope to us. Because there's always, it's always going to be a part of it. I don't think of all the misery, she said, but all of the beauty that still remains. The real beauty in our lives is created from within. That we get to create this picture of life. If I really wanted to and you wanted to, we could go back and remember all the wonderful things. There were many things that weren't wonderful. But every one of us has experienced some really great things in life. But our fallen minds have a tendency to remember the negative, not the positive. To remember the bad, not the good. But if we could go back and remember all the things that God allowed to happen in our lives, all the wonderful good things that happened, all of a sudden the pain begins to fade. You've all done some very good things in life. You've done some really great things in life. The devil would love for you to forget the, the time that you pulled off to help someone who was broken down on the side of the road, took a meal to a family that was struggling, gave someone money that needed money the reality is you are fearfully and wonderfully made 
You're awesome in the sight of God, every one of you. Yeah, we've all been stupid for a moment, but we've all been good too. And I want you to start focusing on those things and watch the pain in your life begin to fade when you start thanking God and praising Him and remembering the wonderful things that have happened in your life. Number four, or number, yeah, this will be number four total overall, friends undervalued. A true friend is someone who sees the pain in your eyes and the hesitation in your voice while everyone else believes the smile on your face. This is why I call it fake book. And now, at the same time, please listen to me. <laughs> when I see the Facebook that's oversold, then I see the pain that's over-revealed. You know, I don't want to see your cut-up, mangled foot on Facebook. I really don't. And I, I don't want to read your diatribe of how horrible your life is. But to share your moment of pain, saying, you know, I really appreciate all of your prayers. We lost someone we love very dearly. But when you go into like four or five paragraphs and I'm having to scroll to read, you probably need to go see a counselor. <laughs> Just saying, okay? I mean, I think somewhere in the middle there is, is reality. You know, I'm, uh, Jesus very put it very simply. Even Jesus himself said in the world, you have tribulation. Take courage, I've overcome the world. I'm just saying that because sometimes in the midst of our pain, we say things we wish we hadn't said later. So monitor what you say in the midst of your pain. Maybe run it through somebody and say, is this too much? Is it too little? Because pain will cause us to scream. And sometimes... Instead of screaming, we just need to start praying. We need to start praising. We need to start doing something different. These guys on stage up here, I, I, I can't value them enough. These worship people that every week are so faithful to be here. And this morning, I just so moved by how awesome they are. And they need to hear that. And when I say that to them, and you say that, yes. When you say that to them, it, it, to me, it, it reduces the pain in all of our lives. I don't, I don't know what their personal lives are going, what, what's going on in their lives. All I know is this, that every week they stand up and they overcome the pain of what's going on in their personal lives. And I respect that. We all need to be the kind of friends that in the midst of our pain, please don't miss this. In the midst of our pain, find someone else in pain and value them. And you'll watch. Your pain will begin to go away when you help someone else with their pain. Because whatever you sow, you reap. And if you help bring healing to somebody else, the very fact that you help them, God will make sure you're get, you get helped. There have been times I remember one Sunday, and I share this. This is my family. My precious daughter, Evangeline, was not doing well. And I got a call at 2.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, 2.30 in the morning. My oldest son called me, and he had had to go help her out. She found herself in the hospital, and she was having real struggles mentally and emotionally. I was at the hospital at 3 a.m. I had to get up and preach five times. I would have to get up and preach five times on that particular Sunday morning. And I stayed at the hospital to 6 a.m., went home, took a shower, went to church, and preached five times. So why would you do that? Because I had to preach myself through my pain. There were people in my church that were going through worse than what I was going through that needed to hear what I had to say that day. So I decided that I would go help them. And in doing so, I felt like God would help me. 
Now, I'm not boasting about me, but I look back on that day and I went, devil, you're not going to steal my joy, my life, my peace, my voice, my anointing. You're not stealing it. And right now I'm in tremendous pain, but I knew there were people in church, thousands, that could be in far more pain than me. Sometimes it's okay to stop and lick your wounds, but most of the time I think we need to rise up and find other people with wounds and say, let me help you with yours. And if you do that, God's going to help you with yours. So I, I, I think when I say this and I, when I prepared this, I just thought, friends, undervalued. Sometimes the pain that we have is we've not been nice enough. When I married Susan, I, I vowed and try to keep this vow every day. In days I don't feel like it, days that she may not feel like it is, I love you. You're beautiful. Because I think it's so important to get a jump on pain. (laughs) That we might experience that day or that we might have experienced days before. Pain only has the authority that you and I give it. Don't give it authority. You have to be in authority over pain. And how you address other people. And the fight that you have for other people in the midst of your own pain will cause your pain to fade. Don't forget it. Invite voices of wisdom into your world of pain. I have friends, and very selective, very few, that I will allow into my world of pain. You know why? Because I don't want someone to tell me, Mark, you're doing all right. Yeah, you have a right to be mad. You have a right to be angry. I want someone to say, how are you addressing your anger? Are you hurting other people? Are you... Are you responding appropriately? Because if you don't, you're going to hurt a lot of people. And I've done that. You've done that. We've done that. Pain that is not addressed redemptively will be played out regretfully. So we have experienced a ton of pain with the pandemic, with all the racial tension, political things going on in our world. And I think now more than ever may be the greatest time for revival if the church will not play worldly games, but we will praise God in the midst of the games that are being played and be a light shining in darkness. And as I prepare every Sunday, as I get up early to pray every Sunday, I'm asking God to do these things in my life. I'm not pointing at you saying you need to. I'm pointing at me and saying I'm the only one that can change me. I get to choose how I respond to every criticism, uh, everything in the world. I get to choose. So you know what? Nobody's ever to blame. The reality is somebody can be mean to me, and most of the time our flesh will say, well, you deserve to react or respond that way. They were mean to you. I just don't see that response in Jesus' life at all. (laughs) Father, forgive them. He's being crucified. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing thinking Jesus they knew exactly what they were doing if I was lost I would call him a hypocrite Jesus they know what they're doing they're killing you because they don't like you they don't believe in you they don't believe in what you're saying but Jesus had so much grace I just am blown away by that grace to say they and you know what the reality is he's right they didn't know what they were doing 
There's no way, or they wouldn't have been doing it. I would venture to say most people that would address you or crucifying you or criticizing you, they don't know what they're doing, or they wouldn't be doing it. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. When we mistreat somebody, we're really mistreating God. And boy, I hate that when I say that because I'm sure I'm going to have success at mistreating somebody. And when I do, I'm mistreating God. That's, that's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves me. And the last thing, and I'll finish with this. We have pain because God has been under, underestimated. We underestimate God. Life is easier to take than you'd think. All that is necessary to confront the impossible, do without the indispensable, and bear the intolerable. Proverbs 17, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but God tests the heart. Nothing is impossible with God. We underestimate God. God, you don't understand. I've only said that one time, and that was January 3rd, 2016, when God said, go back to Oklahoma City. My response to God sitting in church in California was this. God, you don't understand. <laughs> don't ever tell God he doesn't understand. Please. I quickly recalled that moment and I went, God, I apologize. I know you totally understand. I don't understand. I underestimated God that people like you would show up, people like you watching would watch. I underestimated the grace and mercy and the love of God. There's just no way we can fully understand how one man, perfect in every way, would only live 33 years on earth and die for our sins, knowing that we would curse him, criticize him, crucify him mentally, emotionally, because we've all done it. Some of you don't think you have, but let me tell you something. We've all done it. I've underestimated the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. I received a text that really shocked me. He may be watching today. One of my very best friends in high school. We were like brothers. And Friday I received this text. He owns a bar in Texas and a restaurant. And he used to turn me on when I was on television. He turned me on television in the bar. And he would text me. And I thought, wow, this is great outreach. And I love this guy. Uh, I really do. I don't know where he is with Jesus. He grew up free will Baptist. I know that. Uh, but, but hasn't really gone to church. I did his father-in-law's funeral. Uh, but he says, when you die, do you meet Jesus or God to get the go-to-hell sentence? Now, you notice he didn't say to go to heaven or hell, to get to go to hell. So, Mark, if you're watching, listen to me. His name's Mark as well. And he won't care if I share this. You don't know his last name anyway, or all you'd be looking him up on Facebook right now. At least that's what my wife does. She is Columbo Matlock. You don't want Jack with this lady. I'm going to tell you, she can find stuff I, I didn't know existed. She's brilliant. I use her all the time. Honey, look this up. Tell me about this, you know. But he says, so I said, uh, 
here's my response, and this is where I understand the grace of God. I said, you don't stand. I said, neither. I said, God condemns no one. He sends no one to hell. Now, listen before you judge me. We make that choice. See, most people want to say, how can a good God send anybody to hell? I said, he never sent anybody to hell. We send ourselves. Or I send myself to heaven. But God is not looking up there and saying, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. There lives Mark Crow. Go to hell when the sound of the bell. Anyway, so, never. I want everybody to understand, you get to make that choice. This is the grace, love, and mercy of God. He said, I've said everything before you. You get to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. You choose that. Here's why I say that. Because most people are thinking of God as this evil judge. And quite frankly, folks, God is not insecure. He doesn't have an ego. He's not wanting us to praise him for his sake. He's wanting us to praise him for our sake. Because he said, when you praise me, you're calling on me to come and sit where you're praising. This is all about us. God never made it all about him. He made it all about us. Jesus didn't die and raise from the de- be raised from the dead so he could say, hey, look at me. Jesus was not an athlete. He was a king. He didn't need it for himself. He did it for us. So I said, he allows our free will to determine our eternity. He said, understood, but don't we go to a meeting for judgment? So my next series is going to be on judgment, so you all know what to do. I said, possibly, but it's more a separation of sheep, followers of Christ, and goats, those who rejected him. I'm not afraid of the judgment. I think there are a lot of people who are because God's going to look at me and say, enter in, my good and faithful servant. That's going to irritate some people when you go to heaven. If you're a man, your mother-in-law is not going to be happy. I'm just kidding. Psalm 1835, you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. Proverbs 24.10, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? If you falter in times of pain, struggling, suffering, don't beat yourself up. Use it and ask yourself the question, how strong am I really? How am I really bearing up under this? What I've realized is when things get tough, there are things I cannot change. So I have to go on with my life, and it will look irresponsible. But there are times that I believe God says, just keep living your life. I'll take care of the trouble you're seeing. Don't lose your joy, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So what do I have to do in pain? Stay in his presence. Worship him because he sits in the midst of our praise and worship. And if I stay in the presence of God, it's the greatest pain medicator I'll ever have. It's the greatest medication for your pain you'll ever experience. At least soul pain if your body's suffering or whatever. But I will never hopefully allow myself again to experience suffering in such a way that it will cause me to be less than who God wants me to be. Great minds have purposes. Others have wishes. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune and pain. But great minds rise above them. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. That means you have a great mind to rise above the pain and struggling that you're going through. 
You can do it. You can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. Life is like a piano. What you get out of it depends on how you play it. Play it well. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have come to sustain us, not judge us. You've come to help us, to bless us, not curse us. Father, I pray for everyone watching right now that is experiencing incredible pain. It's very real. But I pray, Lord, as I pray at every memorial and every funeral, a peace would come and surpass our ability to understand. A joy would come that would leave us speechless. God, help all those suffering and struggling today. I pray, Lord, right now for a peace that would overwhelm them, a peace that would cause them to sit, a peace that would cause them to sleep, a peace that would cause them to rest. You've made us to be more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. So be it today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never close the service without praying for those who are lost, those who are backslidden, if you will, walked away from God, those of you watching online. I want all of us to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it with a fervor today. Don't just whisper it. You say, but I'm born again. I am too, but I pray this every Sunday. And I want us to pray it with a strength that those around us, those who know us, will feel our prayer as they're battling and struggling with great pain caused by sin and an unwillingness to surrender to God. You'll never get people to surrender by judgment, but you can soften their hearts through prayer and praise. Give them praise. Give God praise. Pray for them. Tell them you're praying for them. Love them. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today you are the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ, please text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310 and include your name so that we can be praying with you and praying for you. Uh, I get that text uh, personally as well and that we want to know who you are. We want to thank God for you. And don't quit. The pain may actually increase for a moment. When I got born again, there was a tremendous amount of pain because I had to cut a lot of people off. And it wasn't their fault, and they weren't bad people. I was a bad person. And I knew that for me to live my life for Jesus, I had to make some changes in relationships, and I did. And I'm thankful for that. And it wasn't because of the other people. I didn't have the strength at the time. So there may be some pain involved, but God's going to get you on the other side of it, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.